Bang! What's up, y'all? I'm Nick, a senior writer over here at Sports Pack 12, and this is going to be our mailbag question segment. So I'll be answering the questions you sent in here in a podcast format, and if you'd like a written response, send them over to fellow senior writer and Dane Miller. And so in all seriousness, I have a lot of fun answering these questions. They take my research and my thinking all over the conference. And one point I want to reiterate is I'm just like you. I'm a Pac-12 fan, so in all seriousness, we're one and the same. We may cheer for different schools, but hey, we're all Pac-12 fans in the end. We're very similar. So from down south to the Arizona schools, to up north to the Washington schools, to east out in Utah and Colorado, we got Oregon and Cali in between. And in our entirety, we make up the Pac-12 conference. And even though we compete against each other during the year, let's come together for this podcast and have a heck of a lot of fun. So without further ado, let's get to today's question. And thanks for tuning in as always. All right, guys, happy Wednesday. And so before we get to today's actual question, let's address what probably is on everyone's mind. Is there going to be a college football season? And the truth of the matter is, I don't know, but it is starting to look unprobable. As of this morning's news update, for the fourth time in eight days, U.S. breaks record for new coronavirus cases. And I was probably one of the biggest believers that we'd see college football in the fall due to the financial implications and potential repercussions of not having a season. And I've held firm in my belief all summer, but over the last few weeks, it started to tilt back the other direction. And as of last week, I felt like there was a 50-50 chance of seeing football in the fall, but now I've slid that number down to about 33%. In other words, guys, it's getting more unlikely by the day. And one point I do want to make, I think it's easy to write off the Ivy League as a small sports conference, but I read an interesting article that made a valid point that when the Ivy League talks, people listen. The Ivy League's prestige, financial backing, and high levels of education means that other conferences may fall suit in canceling fall sports. However, and this is a big however in development, in the news yesterday, there was a potential vaccine that may be effective against the coronavirus. This is still a big if and obviously needs to go through rigorous testing. However, it means that college football is now 100%. So I do think it's unlikely, but not 100%. But as it stands today, the Pac-12 season is still on. And I got a question with the answer that is likely to piss off one fan base or another. So today's question is from Tyrone, and he be rocking in Roxel, Seattle, and he asks, Nick, what up? I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you the truth. Ain't no goddamn way we're losing those duckies we pee on in our bathrooms this year this year. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Jimmy's defense gonna squash their new QB like a bug. I know you a husky, so am I right or am I right? Again, we're definitely gonna give this question a reread. My name is Tyrone, and I be rocking in Roxhill, Seattle. Nick, what up? I'm gonna tell you the truth. Ain't no goddamn way we're losing those duckies we pee on in our bathroom this year. <laughs> That's really funny. Jimmy's defense gonna squash their new QB like a bug. I know you a husky, so am I right or am I right? So before we get to the actual question today, I'm gonna start with the fact that you pee on ducks in the bathroom. That's kind of weird, man. That's kind of weird. I personally use a toilet. Hey, but whatever you're into, Tyrone, do you? Do you? And in terms of me being a Husky fan, yeah, I'm from Seattle, 
So it, it is possible that I'm a Husky fan, but it's also possible that I'm a Ducks fan because I did have an Oregon Ducks license plate on my car for about three, four, five, six, I think about a year's length of time. So is it the Seattle hometown location or is it the license plate that's going to determine the outcome today? We'll have to wait and see. So let's get to the actual analysis of the game. And one thing is for sure in kind of regards to this actual battle on the field, this will be a vicious, vicious, vicious defensive battle. And whoever comes out victorious is really going to earn this one. We're going to start with Oregon because they're likely going to be the favorite heading into this matchup. With the 2020-21 version of the Ducks, it really does start on the defensive side of the ball. And they hope to build off the ninth best defense of the nation last year, which only allowed 16.5 points per game. Even though they lost linebacker Troy Dye, this unit returns a bunch of talent will be led by three Pac-12 preseason first-team picks in defensive lineman Kayvon Thibodeau, cornerback Thomas Graham, and safety Elijah Holland. The secondary duo of Graham and Holland will create problems for most passing attacks in conference, but it doesn't stop there. They still have more talent in this unit. Ducks safety Brady Breeze is a preseason second-team selection, which essentially means that three out of their four secondary players can be considered at least uh, can be considered at least at least in conference. Maybe not nationally, but definitely in conference. This group reminds me of the college version of the Seattle Seahawks championship secondary in Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, and Earl Thomas. In my personal opinion, anytime you have two great safeties, you're really going to be a tough defense to play against, going to be able to limit big plays. And now you're adding a stud cornerback to the mix, and the opposition is really in trouble. Verone McKinley rounds out the group, ensuring that this unit is depth and runs more than three deep. Up front, they're going to be led by defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau, who is an absolute monster and freak athlete and could be the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. For the purposes, or excuse me, for, for time purposes, go watch his highlights, guys. For real, my talking will probably not do his game justice. Other playmakers in the front seven include Jordan Scott and Mace Funa and a five-star linebacker recruit in Noah Sewell, who is the brother of All-American offensive lineman Panay Sewell. So the front seven is probably going to be one of the best groups in the conference, but this secondary is absolutely elite and going to be the driving force behind this team and really just going to be an absolute freaking terror to play against. No one's going to want to see this Ducks secondary next year. Hopping over the Huskies defense. Whew, I think a lot of people forgot who the recent originator of Smash Mouth defense in the Pac-12 has been. And of course, guys, that's the Dogs. That is the Washington Huskies. And while their overall record in offense took a tailspin last year, Many people may be surprised that their young and experienced defense put up numbers that can be considered pretty comparable to Oregon in their own right. The Dogs' defense held teams to 19.4 points per game, which is good for 15th in the country, and they did this with 10 new starters. That isn't scary. Truly, I do not know what is. Expect this unit to return with vengeance. For, expect them to return. They want to do better than 8-5 last year. Unlike the Ducks, the Dogs' best playmakers are spread out all over the field instead of concentrated in the secondary. However, that doesn't mean you have secondaries and very solid in their own right. But we'll get to that here in a second. You do post three season, excuse me, you do post three preseason first teamers in defensive lineman Levi Onzariki, linebacker Joe Tryon, and cornerback Elijah Molden. They also add another second teamer in the linebacking corn, Ryan Bowman. And the other notable name in the front seven is going to be senior defensive tackle Josiah Bronson. However, while the Ducks secondary is probably better top to bottom talent wise, any team coached by Lake at the very, very freaking minimum will have a good to not absolutely great secondary. Safeties Cam Williams and Asa Turner and corners Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon each earned starts last year. And every single one of these guys except Turner 
earn some kind of all-conference recognition. So that speaks for itself. The Dogs also have a senior cornerback in Keith Taylor, who's going to round out the group. So you're looking at the secondary in its entirety. This team should have two lockdown corners, two solid safeties, and a heck of a ton of motivation and proof in their embarrassing 8-5 record last year. If I'm looking at the defensive in a holistic, top-to-bottom, talent-wise perspective for each team, I'm giving the edge to the Ducks. Not by that much, but just by a very little bit, but the Ducks are the better defense. I feel very comfortable saying that. Hopping over to the offense side of the ball, we got a hot, 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 hot take coming in. Hot, hot take. You guys want to forget about the defensive names I just stated. You guys can do that. But seriously, do realize that the defense will lead both these teams and essentially take them as far as they ultimately want to go. Which for Oregon could be a national championship. For Utah, probably something a little bit less extravagant. However, before I get too hotty with the take here, I'm going to lay down some things to consider for both teams in regards to offense. For Oregon, they lost four or five starting offensive linemen, including a key reserve in Brady Aiello. They lost a star quarterback in Justin Herbert. They did not have a true number one wideout on their roster, like say some of the other elite Pac-12 teams, such as the Michael Pittman Jr., LaVisca Chenault, or Brandon Ayuk. And they also have a new offensive coordinator in Joe Moorhead. For Washington, they lost three key senior offensive linemen, and they also lost a key reserve in Henry Roberts. They lost a star quarterback in Jacob Eason, and they do not have a true number one wideout, like a Michael Pittman Jr., LaVisca Chenault. <laughs> okay, guys, you're starting to see where I'm going with this. You're catching the flow. Oh, yeah, but we're not done. They also have a new offensive coordinator in John Donovan. So what's the difference between the two offenses? The one obvious point and factor is that Oregon's halfback, C.J. Verdell, is probably a lot more explosive than UW in terms of Richard Newton. However, I'm thinking that you're looking at it right now. You got Oregon's defense, a little bit better. You got Oregon's running back, a little bit better, which would lead me to probably lean in that direction. However, here is the big separator, the quarterback position. Last year, the Ducks, led by Justin Herbert, were absolutely amazing. You don't think Justin Herbert was good? I don't know what's wrong with you. Dude was a stud and found a way to win amazing games, including like a comeback against WSU and others such as the like. However, I just don't see how this offense is going to get better with him gone. You cannot convince me that a Tyler Shuck-led offense, losing four starting offensive linemen, not having a true wide receiver, and C.J. Verdell is probably going to struggle with the new offensive line. How is this offense going to get better? They're not. Tyler Shuck is not Justin Herbert. Oregon fans can cry. They can moan. They can do whatever. Your team's not going to be improved on offense, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm thinking the Ducks take a step back on offense. Looking over to UW, they lost a star quarterback in Jacob Easton, so we can be saying something along the similar lines. Nope, we cannot say that, boys. I'm bringing back this rant one time. Very small version of this rant. Jacob Easton was a terrible quarterback. He could not read the game. He could not make a throw. He did not have touch on screen passes. Everything he touched at UW stunk. It sucked. He was terrible. He was overrated and really hurt the Huskies program in its entirety. If you're looking at his body of work, blew the game against Oregon last year. Do not forget that UW had the lead. Don't forget that. Against Utah, UW had the lead, but Mr. Easton threw a pick six. And against Oregon State, Jacob Easton threw a pick six in a game that he tried to lose. But luckily for the dogs, they were, the rest of their roster was able to save the day. So with that being said, who's my pick going to be? Tyrone, you hear that? The barking is coming from Shoreline out to Rocks Hill. I am picking the Huskies. 
I think that the edge on defense that the Ducks do have over UW is not enough to make up for the offensive edge that UW has over Oregon. I just do not see how Oregon gets better losing Herbert, and I think that the Huskies get frick a lot better, almost use a different word there, losing Eason. I know other people may disagree with this. I think Eason was trash, stunk, garbage, get out of town, you heard my rant, deuces. So I am picking UW to pull off what a lot of people consider an upset in Eugene. For me, it's not an upset. I think the talent-wise is a lot closer than people may realize. Really looking at recruits last year, organizers of edge, but just talent-wise, top to bottom, UW's elite in their own right. So one more time, Tyrone. Can you hear that? That, That's coming from Shoreline right now, baby. And I did want to say, Tyrone, my bad. It took me a little bit long to answer this question. Usually I try to get to them a little bit quicker. Thank you for your patience. Seriously, had a lot of fun answering this one. This could be the game in the Pac-12 next year. And my guy, stop peeing on ducks. That's just kind of weird. All right, y'all, for a weird Wednesday, I'm out. Thanks for tuning in as always. And Tuna, Cheetos, Snoopy, and lots of love. All right, I'm out.